0: I'm Jack Ruston. Welcome to Ruston's Boneyard podcast. Now, over the last few months, I've been back at school with the NTA studying for a nutritional therapy practitioner qualification. The approach that NTPs are taught is a foundational one, health supported on a number of fundamental pillars. And it really is surprising how many of the common issues that people struggle with come back to these foundations. That's not to say that they account for all disease. And I should stress, NTPs cannot and do not diagnose or treat diseases. What we do is to ask whether our client's symptoms could be related to a foundational issue, and if so, guide them towards some supportive approaches. And what then often happens is that their body recovers and starts doing what it's supposed to do. This is not alternative medicine, it's not medicine at all – NTPs are not there to replace anyone's doctor, rather to be a guide to living in such a way that we might need one less. In this episode, I'm going to explain a little bit about what the NTA's foundations are and why they matter. Unsurprisingly, the first foundation is nutrition – the right amount of the nutrient-dense whole foods that we've evolved to eat over the past 3.5 million years. The human body is a teeming ecosystem of chemical and electrical reactions, a round-the-clock ballet of almost impossible complexity and grace. If we feed ourselves high-quality nutrients, our body will have an abundance of the building blocks it requires to make new cells, tissues and hormones to grow and repair our bones, muscles, organs and the complex systems they form. The chemical reactions essential to our existence will have the precursors and cofactors they require, and our central nervous system will have the necessary minerals to respond and control as it should. But if, as is now all too common, we feed ourselves with the sorts of modern, ultra-processed foods that fill every supermarket, corner shop and petrol station, those comprised of refined sugars and oxidised fats, we flood our laboratory with bad actors, disruptors of our biochemistry. The result is dysfunction. We've all heard the phrase, we are what we eat, but actually, we are what we absorb. All the nutrient-dense whole foods in the world don't count if we can't absorb those nutrients. Accordingly, the second foundation, one that's fundamental to nutritional therapy and arguably the most important of all, is digestion. The moment we start to think about food, the moment we see it and smell it cooking, we set in motion a series of processes aimed at extracting as many nutrients as possible from whatever's about to come our way. Ground up and squeezed through this astonishing tube, this portal between the inside of our bodies and the outside, our food is exposed to all manner of digestive enzymes, acids, emulsifiers and bacteria. Two and a half thousand years ago, Hippocrates announced that all disease begins in the gut. Now, that isn't quite true, but it's not a million miles off. Go into any pharmacy in the developed world, and despite the enormous competition for shelf space, you'll find an entire aisle devoted to antacids, laxatives and diarrhoea medications. Some 25% of the population report daily heartburn, and approximately 70 million people suffer some sort of digestive disorder just in America alone. Everything from heartburn, gas, bloating and discomfort, to IBS, colitis and Crohn's, it seems as if almost everyone you meet is struggling to reliably digest their food properly. In part, this is due to some of the foods we're now eating, highly processed products which contain synthetic chemicals, pesticide residues and genetically modified ingredients, at odds with our biology. But it's also due to the altered nature of stress in our modern world. Our brains are not yet adapted to distinguish between what we might call primal stress, being chased by a lion, and the modern drip feed of work pressures, unpaid bills and the news feed full of terrible things about which we can do nothing. Our brain can't distinguish between an angry email and an angry bear. Digestion begins in our brain and continues to be governed by it. The whole process relies on the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system. When we're under stress, it doesn't work. The brain turns off the production of digestive juices and slows the contractions of the digestive tract. It can't afford to allocate resources to digestion while preoccupied with the life and death business of fight or flight. And the more it doesn't work, the more it doesn't work. Because all these chemical substances responsible for digestion have nutrient precursors. They require water, minerals, vitamins, proteins and fats. So as digestive dysfunction unfolds, nutrient malabsorption follows. Which causes digestive dysfunction. It's a self-propagating cycle, which as NTPs we work with our clients to unpick to get the gravy train back on the rails. Digestive issues aren't the only thing that's shockingly prevalent in our modern society. The CDC estimates that a staggering 130 million Americans are living with diabetes or pre-diabetes. Shockingly, by 2018, a fifth of teenage children were pre-diabetic, a number that has continued to rise. And this brings us to our third foundation, blood sugar regulation. So what's going on here? Evolution has given us sophisticated ways to raise our blood sugar in times of scarcity or acute stress. Our survival relied upon having that instant dose of rocket fuel when we most needed it. And of course on those rare occasions that we gorged on honey raided from a beehive or on ripening fruit in the summer, we had the ability to lower blood sugar, preventing damage to our vasculature, eyes, kidneys and other sensitive tissues. But these challenges were acute infrequent, and we have no good answer to the chronically high blood sugar of our modern diet and our unrelentingly stressful lives. So what does that actually look like? As we've allowed hyperpalatable processed foods, the marketing of food and the notion of food as entertainment to replace our natural pattern of eating, we've bought into this idea that people need multiple meals interspersed with snacks throughout the day. We're constantly told that we need a given product to get us started in the morning to fill us with energy, a mid-morning snack to keep us going, lunch, an afternoon snack and a cup of tea, followed by dinner and a treat that we deserve after our hard day. These processed food products, breakfast cereals and energy drinks typically contain high glycemic carbohydrates, those which spike blood glucose the most. What goes up must come down, and the hormone insulin is released from the pancreas in ever larger quantities to move that glucose out of the blood. Insulin takes a little while to mop up once its job is done, and during that time it can push blood sugar a little low, leaving us ravenously hungry, weak and dizzy. We have to eat again and typically we'll choose another sugary snack. We're on a blood sugar roller coaster which we can't get off. The body doesn't take kindly to high levels of hormones and it begins to adjust to maintain homeostasis cells stop responding to insulin, but because elevated blood sugar is an emergency that cannot be allowed to continue, the pancreas keeps cranking out ever larger quantities of the stuff, and what follows is a gradual progression from that hyperinsulinemia and insulin resistance to metabolic syndrome, and ultimately, when we lose the ability to reduce blood sugar, type 2 diabetes. So this is an enormous threat to public health, but luckily there's a very simple fix, rebalancing the relative levels of sugars in our diet. Simple, but not easy. As NTPs, we offer guidance in how to make this change and what a better balance actually looks like. The fourth foundation is all about fat. Since the 1970s, we've been told that fat, particularly saturated fat, is bad, that it makes us fat and that it clogs our arteries. The reality is that fat is incredibly important, serving a number of essential functions within the body – the formation of every cell membrane, the absorption and storage of fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin D, and the production of hormones. Yes, fat contains a lot of calories, but it doesn't make us fat any more than excess calories from any other macronutrient. It provides energy that doesn't require a big spike in insulin like carbohydrates, and some would argue that because of that, sourcing our energy from fat allows our body to burn our own fat more of the time. We've been encouraged to believe that animal fats are saturated and so bad, while plant fats are unsaturated and so good. But almost all whole food sources of fat are a blend of the different types of fatty acid – saturated, monounsaturated and polyunsaturated. Some people may be surprised by the fact that lard is mostly oleic acid, the monounsaturated fat found in olive oil, while coconut oil, a plant fat, can be more saturated than beef tallow. While we can make most of the fatty acids we require, we must eat at least some omega-6 and omega-3 fats. These two polyunsaturated fats are responsible for regulating the body's inflammatory processes, those that allow us to heal from injury, fight disease and adapt to the stimulus of physical exercise. The problem we have is that back when we ate lots of fresh fish and a few nuts and seeds, we balanced them pretty well. But since the demonization of saturated fat and the birth of ultra-processed foods with their harmful oxidized hydrogenated omega-6 oils, not only do we consume more polyunsaturated fats than we should, but the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio of those fats has shifted from perhaps 1 or 2 to 1 to 20 to 1. This upsets that inflammation apple cart, skewing it towards chronic inflammation. If it sounds like I've got it in for vegetable oils, I have. They're cheaply made, chemically extracted industrial lubricants, coloured and deodorised to mask the fact that they're oxidised, that they're rancid. Food products are chock full of this stuff, and we're led to believe that because the fat is unsaturated, it's somehow good for us. I sincerely hope and believe that in years to come, these processed seed oils will be deemed unsafe for human consumption. NTPs offer advice on the types and quantities of fat that best suit our clients' individual goals. Now, the final two foundations are so closely linked that I think it's worth talking about them together, and those are mineral balance and hydration. Minerals, which we can't make and so must get from our diet, serve a number of essential functions within the body. They're used as cofactors for chemical reactions, enable signaling in the central nervous system, carry the oxygen in our blood, serve as building blocks for our bones, and some of them, the electrolyte minerals, are critical to the partitioning and movement of water throughout the body. Water makes up some 55 to 60% of our total mass and is obviously essential to life. It's the primary constituent of blood and lymph, bile, stomach acid and other digestive juices. It's used to control our temperature and maintain our blood pressure and volume. It transports nutrients in and out of cells and lubricates and cushions our joints and organs. Without it, we'd be dead in a few short days. It's no good having water floating about in our legs, causing swelling, while at the same time having low blood volume. Equally, if our blood volume is too high, our blood pressure will rise, damaging the walls of our arteries. The body uses those electrolyte minerals, particularly sodium, potassium and chloride, to manipulate the osmotic pressure and so the diffusion of water across membranes, in order to keep it just where it wants it. The beauty of it is that within reason we don't have to be terribly precise about our intake. Provided we take in enough water and minerals overall, the body will do a wonderful job of using what it needs and excreting the rest. But row crop agriculture, artificial fertilisers and genetic modifications to plant foods have increased crop yields but depleted the nutrients in our soil and the food it provides. We simply don't get the same minerals from our food that we used to and that we should. As NTPs, we guide our clients towards an adequate intake of both water and minerals, the result of which can be transformative. If and when necessary, we can advise on mineral supplementation. So what we start to see is that these six foundations are subject to some considerable interaction. If we don't take in nutrients, everything suffers. If we take in nutrients, but we can't digest them, everything suffers without water we can't absorb minerals without minerals we can't hydrate without fats we can't produce the hormones that govern a lot of these processes this is why the foundations are what they are this is why they're the cornerstones of a body that works properly that's it for now come and find me on instagram at RustinsBoneyard and at www.rustinsboneyard.com. keep cooking